encouraged, not burdened by the history that they create. They know what is expected of them. They are Manchester United. to another episode of the Fergie Fledglings. I'm your host, Colin Dams, joined by Nathan Heinchel and Polly Questel. Uh, Manchester United back in the win column uh, after a 3-2 comeback victory over Nottingham Forest. Um, I, I guess we could start with uh, the start of this match, which was uh, yet another wide-open Manchester United route one to Andre Anana's goal. Uh, followed quickly by a uh, typical Manchester United uh, defensive set-piece error. Um, Polly, you, you look like uh, you have something to say about these these things. I'm sure you've been was, sitting on was, something all weekend. This was a top five most ridiculous match I've ever watched. <laughs> it was a high comedy. It was funny. It, it in was... some ways, it reminded me of uh, some of the like late Fergie teams. Um, yeah, I could see that. Um, I was also, I was at a, I was at a, I was down on the Jersey shore. So I was at um, a bar there, which is like a big Premier League bar. It's a great bar to watch, to watch the football at. It also happens to be an Arsenal bar. uh, And they also like, don't really have a great streaming setup. So I was given, so I had one TV for the United match. Basically every other TV is on the Arsenal match and Arsenal conceded within like 30 seconds of the opener and then factor in like the 40 second delay. And it was Arsenal conceded after like a minute. And it was like, all these people are bummed out. And like within seconds, it was like, Hey, we're right there with you. And then a minute later it was, it was, Oh, we're even worse. Look at that. Um, yeah, within like the first five minutes, the ball might have been in play for 40 seconds to 60 seconds, and Forrest had scored two goals. Uh found love in a loveless place. Simply, <laughs> simply incredible. Nathan, known, um... known issue for the past few years, United vulnerable on their own corner kicks, and known issue for the past few years, United vulnerable on defensive set pieces. Highlighted even better by like Diogo Dawa with just the most ridiculous, unnecessary foul to give them that set piece. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, I, I wonder like how soon after he fired off that like kickoff tweet of, well, well, like it would be nice to win this one or something, something along those lines. Uh, the well, United were conceding. Well, what was so funny was, uh, um, <laughs> after the first goal, I was already kind of putting together, you know, my woe is me tweets. Um, and I, I tweeted out the <laughs> the scene from Oppenheimer where he's getting grilled um, in like the special counsel room. I was tweeting that those two pictures after we conceded the first goal in the time it took me to find those two pictures in my camera roll. I was hitting tweet. And I looked up and I watched Forrest score the second goal. And I was like, oh, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't even like, I, I I think I had a tweet that used the word like Blitzkrieg, which, you know, m- maybe not uh, a word that we should just be throwing around. But like, if it felt like that, just like <laughs> c- conceding that quickly in, in the first four minutes. But it really wasn't even like Forrest were like overwhelming us 
you know, of their own accord, it was like, oh, thank you. Oh, those goals fell into far slap. Yeah. Like that that first it was like they they hoofed the ball away. Um they hoofed the ball away on that corner and that that first guy like just he's just running to like get a touch on that ball before Rashford does and he gets the touch on it and it goes like right through and then all of a sudden he looks up and he's like, "Oh, there's nobody here. Like I could take it myself." Everyone's and then, behind me. It's like, how is Marcus Rashford the one tracking back here? It's like Anthony right, you, for, on the players. replay, Anthony looked for a second like he was going to join him. And then he just kind of like slows down. And then he realizes like, oh, shit. Yeah, it was it wasn't like uh, we picked them out or or we made a nice play. It was like 50 50 ball. And it was like, just get a touch on it so that we can like. Recover and get our shape back. And he gets the touch on it and then looks up and goes, well, there's no one there. Uh, I could just walk in here. And and then they get the ball down the right wing. That right winger is going nowhere and he's going nowhere really fast. And Diogo Dalot just runs in and throws a body check into him. And and that gets followed by um, a set piece where everybody for United jumps and misses it, and it hits Willie Bowie in the face and goes in. You could not have gifted... Like, Forrest were not trying to do this, and they found themselves up 2-0, and it's probably the best thing that happened because they went... After five minutes, they went, right, we got a 2-0 lead here. We don't have to do anything else. And they just sat and said, let United attack us the entire game. And it was a d- bizarre decision. But a consistent decision with what we saw so many times in the back half of last year, when week after week, away from home, United would show exactly where they're vulnerable. Hey, we are susceptible to counterattacks. Hey, if you push us wide, if you go wide and build up, we like to press narrowly. So you'll have openings on the flank where you could just get the ball up, up the field. And, and while we're throwing men forward, we're vulnerable at the back. And teams just like, wouldn't, would come to Old Trafford and be like, no, thank you. Remember that Brentford match where Brentford beat us four nil and then showed up to Old Trafford and said, we're just going to stand in our own box the entire time. And United got like a very, boring, bland, 1-0 win because they couldn't create anything because Brentford were parking the bus, but there was no risk the other way because Brentford had no interest in play. And that's sort of what Nottingham Forest did. And even though United scored like less than 15 minutes after going down 2-0, they were still just like, nah, we'll let you carry the ball forward. We'll let you do that the entire game. We're just not going to let you in the box. And they didn't get in the box. But it... I, at halftime, I was speaking to the one other United fan in the in the bar, and I was just like, "Yeah, no, like at that at that time, United were two one down, Arsenal were one 0 down." And I was like, "Both these teams are going to go on and win this win these games." Like that's where I was wrong. It was wrong because Arsenal did reverse the score, and then they could see the late one. But it it just felt inevitable for both teams. I was like, "Forest aren't playing," and United may not be playing well. They may not be doing anything. But if Forest are just going to do this, like eventually they're going to score a second and a third. <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, almost immediately they, uh, I don't, I don't want to say woke up, but I mean, they scored that goal through Erickson and then they had the ball. They didn't really let up any other stupid chances until, uh, what was it, like 10 minutes from the end, whenever they're like, oh yeah, we'll just sit back against this 10-man team. The next time that Forrest tried, the, the, the next time Forrest tried to get the ball down the field is Casemiro didn't follow his man and just let him run free and Varane had to come over and make a great block. And then that... Next time they tried to get the ball down the field, 
they split two defenders, got to the byline, crossed it back in, got a great shot that happened to hit their own man, otherwise probably going in. And that was it. It was like the game state played perfectly for Forrest. It, the, look, it just didn't. You, yeah. You've got a team that is incredibly susceptible to counterattacks that is down 2-0 early. They need to throw everybody forward to try to break you down. They're going to be very vulnerable to counterattacks. And you can hit them and and really do damage here and put them away. And Forrest were like, nah, we're just going to hoof the ball back. Every time United attack, we're just going to hoof it back and let them carry the ball up again. Is it um is it alarming at all that uh despite the amount of money that's been spent on uh attackers and midfielders over the last few years, in these moments we're still very much help us Marcus, help us Bruno. It's always alarming. But granted, um you spend a lot of money on a striker who's still not fit, so he wasn't there. Right. Mason Mount also Mason Mount's all- look. And Luke He's Shaw is and, yeah. yeah, your your second best creator and ball progressor out. Like I think everybody is complaining that the team was last year's team. And I was like, that kind of speaks to the strength. Like that shows that we actually did a good job upgrading the depth of this team. Last year's team won 75 points. We've got three starters, two definite starters, one probable starter, and one primary backup out injured. And we are putting out there a team that won 75 points in the league. So what 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 would we have been putting out there last year if we had three starters and one primary backup injured? It would have been a lot worse. So like that speaks to the depth of the team. It was it's it's just the inability to break down up to break down a block. They couldn't get the ball in the box. Um they entered the final third 85 times. That just speaks but they they entered the they they couldn't get it in the box. They had their lowest box entries of the season and amongst the lowest from, you know, right where they were last year. So like no improvement there. Last year, they like averaged 50 final third entries per game. So all that tells you is that Forrest were just hoofing it back and letting United just walk up the field. And if you, and so many of those entries and so many of their progression came from Juan Basaka was not known for passing the ball forward through the lines. Um, and Rafael Varane. He looked good again. I mean, yeah, well, I, I know he still looks like a little bit awkward, you know, with his first touch, but like uh, there were moments where like it's one touch and he's past the defender already. You know, it's it seems like a, a much different Wambasaka than the one who was benched for Dallo two years ago around this time. I he's he's definitely a more confident player. I I hesitate to say anything based on Saturday's game in terms of skill level because we were playing a a bad Nottingham Forest team who are probably going to be in the relegation battle and a Nottingham Forest team that had no interest in playing this game. Yeah, Wolves are probably going to be in the relegation battle, but they were like, hey, you know, United are vulnerable if we just counterattack on them. So they tried and they should have won the game. They were let down by bad finishing. Nottingham uh, Forest were gifted two goals and went, cool, we're good here. Like, Rafael Varane, you know, like when he gets the ball, he looks very uncomfortable on it. He doesn't like to carry it. He'll carry it if you give him a lot of space. And then as soon as one guy comes near him, he'll pass it either to Martinez or Juan Basaka. He, and he will almost never pass it forward. Never. Break. He had eight progressive passes and he only played 45 minutes. 
Like they literally, they did the McTominay thing. They just left that right side wide open. Anthony received 20 progressive passes. It was just like, hey, go carry the ball, progress it up that right side. We're not letting you into the box. And United really struggled there to the point where, yeah, like you said, Colin, it's save us Bruno, save us Rashford. They were part of the reason that they are always in save us Bruno, save us Rashford mode is because they've been so bad on set pieces and they finally scored on one, which is nice. Well, they could have but scored like, on what, another one if uh, Dallow had his head up. It, it, or if Casemiro finishes! <laughs> Casemiro actually got a shot! <laughs> which, again, that and that one was not so much United created a great scoring chance, more like that ball bounced and somehow no defender nor goalkeeper got it. Like, across into the box, it just bounced. And it bounced over everybody's head right to Casemiro. It, that was very much not enforced or bad. Yeah. And two weeks in a row, though, that we've missed headers from point blank range. Three weeks in a row. That's the thing. Yeah. Is United have United have missed yeah. a lot of they're creating big chances. I think they have the most big chances created in the league. So like you could say, oh, what they're doing is working. But like this is something that I spoke that I spoke to um uh so I, I was on an Arsenal podcast last week and it it was sort of like these big chances they're creating are all headers and headers are inherently more difficult than finishing with your feet. And the publicly, publicly available data that we have on headers is not great uh, in terms of like Opta's XG does not really factor in headers. Stats bomb is way harsher on headers. Like something might be like a 0.4 on Opta and stats bomb will have it as like a 0.1 because they're just like, yeah, headers are way more difficult. They don't go in there. Even if you have an open net from three yards out, it's a very difficult finish. And those are the best chances United are creating. But like, yeah, they're missing a lot because they're also, they're creating them. Like who's getting on the end of it? Bruno, Rashford, Casemiro. Like these are not guys that take a lot of headers that they're not, you're not going to think like if, if Ronaldo gets on the end of these, you expect seven of them to be put away. He's very, very good in the air. He's very good with his head. These guys aren't. Bears. I mean, do we do we have an indication that Rasmus Hoyland is good at headers? Uh, from what I've heard, he's like it's it's sort of like a wow Weghorst situation where it's like he's not as good with his head as you would think. It's it's just that he's tall. Um, hmm. But then there's the oh, but he's twenty. You can mold him and he can get better, which is eh, kind of true, but like not really. Yeah. Once again, I think uh, all our problems would be solved if we had 2010 Wayne Rooney. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he would. He was. He somehow became good with his head. He's the. That's the. Um. I mean, I guess that's like the go-to example of someone suddenly becoming good at headers. Other than, I guess, Cristiano Ronaldo in like 2007. Right, but is that the so the question is is that the example of someone suddenly becoming good at headers or someone or just who has always chances. been good yeah. at headers now playing centrally being the main guy and getting those chances and so much so that it made him bald and then he got hair plugs and stopped being good at headers. Yeah, this is this is a big rabbit hole to go down. Um, Nathan, yeah, you have any input? <laughs> I don't really have a whole lot to say about this Forest game, if you guys hadn't noticed. <laughs> well, so 
I'm going to be honest. I was a little dejected after United gave up those two opening goals in the first four minutes. Um, I just kind of cranked the sound up a little bit on the broadcast so that way I could listen for when the pitch of the commentator's voice went up since I was live tweeting the match, but I was, I was mostly playing my Nintendo switch uh, while this game was happening. Wow. Uh, and then once United tied it up to two, uh, I put down the Nintendo switch. And I proceeded to watch the rest of the game. It's like the FIFA uh, leaning forward meme. And that's yeah, when pretty- it's, and that's when it stopped being like a total dot. I had this, I had this conversation with Suede at halftime. I actually, I like fired up Slack and, and messaged him because he was just like, that was, he was like, United had their most dominant period of the season there. And I was like, which period? And he was like, from like the fifth minute to the 35th minute. And I'm like, yeah, they did. It was relentless attack after attack after attack. But that's because Nottingham Forest were just letting it happen. I was like, there's a difference between entire game takes place on one end of the field because one team is so dominant and they keep the ball there versus entire game takes place on one end of the field because one team just lets it happen. And this game was very much the latter. Like, again, what we said was 85 final third entries. Forrest were just hoofing it away and saying, come back. And if you want to do it through, they they basically, um, they pushed one man out wide to stick to Rashford very tightly, which is why he started moving around a bit more in the second half. And other than that, it was like, we're going to play very narrow and very compact in front of our box. We're not going to let you in the box. But... Every time we get the ball, we're not going to try to play out with it because we have a 2-0 lead or a 2-1 lead. And we're just going to let you do everything. Like, So United made a million progressive passes, a million progressive carries. They carried it in the final third, and it was attack after attack after attack because Forrest were just like, hoof it away and come again. That's what we want to do. And what was... It's hard to break down a team like that. So you can write off the, yeah, United didn't, create a million chances in this because it was a well-executed low block. What's concerning is that as soon as United went 3-2 down, Forrest became the better team. And they had 10 men. Yeah. And um, you know, for a lengthy period of stoppage time as well. um, Yeah, I mean, Andre Onana only had to make one like diving save. Other ones were, I think, more or less things that he should save. Uh, I but think how many a, times Willie last Bally season? chance as well. How many times the last no, season? Yeah. Did, were United a... like 1-0 up? They were 1-0 up in a game that was totally their control. The other team was not threatening at all. And somewhere in the last 9 to 15 minutes of the game, David De Gea had to make a great save. Yeah. Early on last season, I remember thinking it was, you know, a, a symptom of this was when Eric Tenag was bringing on Cristiano Ronaldo. And it ended up just being something that, you know, popped its head up at worrying times in the season um, that United just didn't finish games off. Um, They would get one goal early and they would just, you know, fail to break things down. And then for the last 30 minutes, they would be holding on or maybe they would nick a second goal. Um, There's also not a team that plays well from behind. So it was... I, it was encouraging to see that they were able to overcome well, that's a 2 why, lead from early that's on. That's why but... Ten Hag devised a plan that would see them down by two for <laughs> 85 minutes. So they had a long time to work on it. Yeah. And they, they could fit that comeback into the, uh, you know, the first hour of the game when they had the energy to do it. Um, 
do, do we want to spend any time talking about like the penalty call or the red card? Yeah, we can. I, I will say this before we get there. Yeah. Is your concern is also like United. It's not like United. This They have that issue of killing games off. And a lot of times it's like, yeah, because they're running up and down the field the whole game because they're pressing high and, and the other team's breaking the press and moving it through. So they got to drop back. And then they're counterattacking them pressing high. They weren't doing that in this game. Like, there's no reason that they should have gotten tired in this one. The whole game was played yeah. in Forest's half. And then and then just go back and watch the clips. Like, when United brought the ball forward, they it wasn't like they were running it. Like, they were walking it forward because every step forward they took, Forrest took one step back. They were running in unison. It wasn't a demanding and, and tiring game. And, yeah, United don't kill games off under Ten Hag, but they never, like, in fairness, they the concern was this wasn't a choice. It wasn't a choice to sit back and be like, let's, let's see out our three, two win is every game. United have never done that under Eric Tannock. every game for better or worse. They look to counterattack and look for that second goal. And they push forward for that second goal. And even in the 101st minute, they got a counterattack where Bruno played in Jaden Sancho rather than just take it to the corner, kill off 20 seconds and the final whistle blows is they are always looking for that second goal or that whatever that that two goal lead. And in that January period last year where they were really good is they kept getting those goals. Um but in this game, while they're looking for that for those goals up a man against a bad team, they were they couldn't get the ball out of their own end and they were pinned into their own their own half. And it's it's like they are taking care of business at Old Trafford. And, and I said Old Trafford won this game because United were not good. Old Trafford won because, again, Forrest came in there as if the, the result was a foregone conclusion, like back in the old days, and played like it. And that's going to keep happening because we saw it happen so many times last year. But it's just not a good sign when United continue to make a meal out of all these what should be simple games. Yeah, and it's it's not going to be simple for the next two matches at least. Um, maybe Palace and Brentford after that, but at Arsenal and then Brighton at home. Uh, those yeah, are... you've got two home games that you've barely won against two teams that are expected to be in the relegation zone. It's not like you beat eighth place team and it was like, ah, oh, okay, opening round of the season. They're a good side. It was like you played two bad teams and you're barely getting by them at home. Yeah. So the uh, uh, obviously a lot of online discourse about the um, red card and the penalty and really just officiating in general this weekend. Um, Virgil van Dyke given a similar red card. Um, I would say similar for uh, denial of a goal scoring opportunity. Uh, Joe Worrell clattering into Bruno Fernandez. Um, I, I thought it was a red card just looking back at it. I, I, I don't think there's any guarantee that Bruno Fernandez gets to the ball. Um, in fact, he, I, I think he probably doesn't, uh, get to the ball and control it to shoot, uh, by the time the goalkeeper comes out and charges at him. But, uh, the fact that it was like a cynical foul, like very clearly trying to impede Bruno Fernandez running onto a ball, um, that he could score. I, I think that makes it a red card. And then the penalty, 
I, I think there's enough contact there to justify it. Um, it was, you know, a situation where Rashford was getting past him and he stuck out a leg and caught him. So it's, it's not, you know, the most obvious penalty in the world, but I don't think it warrants the kind of, uh, Nottingham Forest fishing for an apology from Howard Webb that we've seen today. I don't think that's what they were fishing for an apology for. I think it was a red card because I never thought that no, was a red card. Yeah. There's another defender right there. There's another defender right there. And yeah, I agree with you. Bruno Fernandez is not going to, I don't think Bruno Fernandez is getting to that ball. Goalkeeper, probably getting to the ball. If, if Bruno Fernandez gets the ball, probably a red card on the goalkeeper. He probably takes him out. Um, if Bruno Fernandez takes a touch, that other defender's there and he's not getting a shot off. So Bruno Fernandez's only chance is to get um is to is to do that first first touch and I don't think he's getting there. You're right, it is cynical. But I looked at the uh, entire New York WhatsApp group and every single person which and this never happens. A lot of people that are always like United they're being wrong, you know. Everyone was like, I don't think that's a red. And then they showed the red. Then they started showing the replay. And everybody was just like, yeah, this isn't going to stand. There's another man back. It's not a red card. And every single person was just like, wow, I can't believe that stood. And that's more of the, the Premier League opened this door with the apology when they gave one to Wolves on the first day of the season. And now everybody, Bruno Fernandez is demanding an apology for, hey, there was a handball that was close. Not a, uh, I thought it was a penalty. But I listened to the commentator who said no, and I said, I understand what you're saying. I still thought it was a penalty. And Bruno Fernandez like, where's my apology? And I'm like, well, your apolo- where's your apology? Like, but where's Spurs' apology for when Lissandro Martinez goes and clocks a guy and, ste- and never makes contact with the ball and takes the guy out in the box and no penalty was given there? It, in, the officiating is just atrocious. And, and it's, this is what happens when you open the, the door on replay, like we have seen it happen in the NFL for what? Since 1998. So like two and a half decades now is when you first do is that replay comes because someone makes an error. There's a few high profile errors that are just blatantly obvious. And everybody looks at the replay once and goes referee screwed it up. And there's a million other touchy calls where the referee gets it wrong, but nobody's really inspecting it to that level. And you put in replay and you go, okay, um, how are we going to implement this? And and soccer's a tough sport because it's like, you got handball rules that are very complicated. You have to determine like what's a natural position for your arm to be. And you have to determine, did his arm hit the ball or did the ball hit his arm? And they, they sort of made a rule in that first year where it was like any handball in the buildup negates a goal. And then they realized that one was terrible, but it, but it's also, we're allowed to review this, not that because we're only trying to, to get the blatantly obvious calls. And then, you know, obviously something unreviewable happens and everybody goes, well, why aren't we reviewing this? And you quickly start expanding the scope and start looking so intently into everything that you quickly become you quickly re-referee the game. It quickly becomes, is this a clear and obvious error or what actually happened here? Like you watch the NCAA tournament now 
so in the last two minutes of the game, all they do is go to the monitor because all they're doing is saying what actually happened. And it's like, that's not what we're looking for. Make a decision. And if you're blatantly wrong, we need to switch it. But but this is where you get to with replay. And with replay comes all these changes that they're trying to make. And new rules are being made for one reason or another. And I, and all we're doing is making the referee's job so much more difficult. And it's essentially guaranteeing that you're not going to have consistency from one guy to the next. Speaking of apologies that the Premier League referees need to make, they got to make one to all of us. Because 11 minutes of stoppage time is out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I have places How to be. fucking rageous, man. <laughs> but that's, and that's the other thing is, so the big thing this year is now the time wasting. And we've already seen, we've seen people get strict on yellows quickly. Uh, I think Arsenal got booked for like delaying a goal kick when there was still like a player in the box. So therefore, you know, you're, you don't have to take a goal kick until a player, until the attacking team gets out of the box and goalkeeper was booked for delaying and people, uh, I think, was it, Trent, what did Trent get booked for? Yes, he, got, he got booked for kind of like, for like not taking a throw in, throwing the ball. Yeah. Right. That and Rashford got booked for that too. Uh, and people at United fans are mad because it, it was, it, yeah, he, he didn't foul the guy. They fouled each other, but you can't kick the ball away anymore. So that's why he got booked. He didn't get, uh, but we're seeing Onana, like, I think got one for, um, he didn't take not a goal, kick a goal kick. Yeah. Cause there was a ball on the field and he was right. trying to point it out. Right. And in another game I was watching this week and it was like very like imperceptible delay in a throw in booked. And these things happen in the first half. Like no one's, no one's wasting time in the first half to try to see out a result. Like that's just unless you're Atletico Madrid, no one is sitting there being like, "We have a one nothing lead with 75 minutes to go. We got to start time wasting." It, it's just not, and and they so they they're doing this in the first half, and then later, someone's you know Alexander Arnold makes a challenge should have been booked for it, but the referee's like, "Ah, I'm not giving him a second booking for that." So because yeah, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, well, you sent him off for this." This is bullshit. Yeah. So it so it it gets. It, it doesn't get given. And then what happens is that everybody goes, well, how is that not a booking? And someone retaliates. And and then it gets worse and worse and worse. But they also are just not doing anything at the end of games. Alexander Arnold in stoppage time did blatant, like all the little tricks you do on a throw-in to delay the throw-in and not put the ball back in play. And textbook time-wasting. But he was already on a yellow. And if this was the first half, he'd be given a yellow, but the referee's not going to send him off. And that that's, that's where the problem is. If the referee goes and gives him a yellow there, he's, he's sent off. He misses the next game. And Liverpool are without, are without Alexander Arnold and Van Dyke for their next match. Players will stop time wasting if they know that there are consequences, but there are no consequences. If I, I will get one yellow, but I won't get a second. And if I'm already on a yellow, I can time waste and not get punished. It's it's like they're almost treating it now like that's a foul outside the box, but inside the box, I'm not giving a penalty is, oh, it's the first half. I'll book you for that. But in the fourth minute of stoppage time when you're on a yellow, yeah, go for it. Do whatever you want. It's not a yellow. Yeah. 
this uh i won't get too deep into it but this there was a uh, very much a spiraling out of control in uh my sunday league final this year where uh it's like the the foul calls just became um too erratic where it was like something that very obviously was very similar to something that was called earlier would just be let by and everyone's frustrations boiled over and it's like once you get to the point where the players are like okay well if that's okay i'm gonna do it then the referees lost the game and yeah and it and seems that's... like we're just at a point now where like refereeing in all sports seems like it's under such a intense amount of scrutiny because uh, at the professional we can level. all see what's happening yeah and it makes good tv as well you know after the game that you have something to talk about um you know a very obvious error or a, a very obvious mistake or something really controversial that could have gone either way whatever um and I get that it's like a thankless job, you know, in general, but I, I I just, I don't understand like what the solution to these things are, because it seems like, you know, with this time wasting thing and with the constant changes to handball rules and offside and, you know, the margins by which you're measuring these things is like, they're just making everything way more complicated. And, you know, I don't think the solution is to get rid of VAR. Like, you know, we're here now and it's not going to go away. But it's like every time they try is some we're just going to find more things to complain about. It's also you need attention. Nothing drives attention more like the hatred of Manchester United. They're, They're the biggest club. They bring the eyeballs. And penalties are easy to harp on because they're so black and white. It's it's especially late in the game. Andre Onana goes clocks a guy in the head in the 97th minute. It's not given. If it is given, 75% chance they score and there's no time to do anything. So you can almost definitively say because of that penalty, United won the game because that penalty wasn't given. And 14 minutes to go, Rashford gets a penalty that... Um, that decides it. Like it's very hard to otherwise, you know, in just the flow of the game, say, oh, that's a, def-, you know, if, th- if that happens differently, United go on win versus a penalty where it's like they get a very, a golden chance here, 75% chance to score, and that decides the match. And Pundit's job is not to come in and tell you, like, and tell you, Pundit's job is to bring viewers in engaged in you know sky sports wants you to subscribe to sky sports they want you to be entertained not just the two hours they want you to not flip off your your television between the united kickoff at, that ends at 12 o'clock and the next game that starts at 12 30 they want you to be watching they need something like roy Keane. they is want you to watch em- first take tomorrow morning yeah like roy Keane's not employed by sky sports to come on against against uh, after the Spurs match and say, well, Spurs had a great plan here. And they, in the second half, they came and they spread their players out wide and United never adapted and they were able to pick them apart. And, and it was a great adjustment. It, Roy Keane is there to say things like United are the new Spurs. Now they're not putting in the effort. This is pathetic. And it, it keeps happening. He's there for that reason. That's what people are watching Roy Keane for. And that's what pundits job are. It's to, to drum up, this interest and it's very easy to, to focus on a penalty to do that. Um, 
here's what I'll say about the penalty. How often have we seen Rashford do that recently? That move that he pulled. Well, there have only been three games recently, so um, not just not not just this year, last year too. Yeah, because everybody keeps saying like United just don't get any penalties anymore, and it's because Jurgen Klopp complained. It's like here's the reality: is United Marcus Rashford used to do that a lot. He used to run at defenders in the box and do that a lot, and defenders kept lunging in, and Martial did it, and Dan James did it, and Bruno did it, and defenders kept lunging in, and they'd get their legs tangled, and United would would get a penalty. And there's a different style of play now. So they they don't do it as often. But also defenders don't lunge. Like even this penalty was sort of like a half lunge. And like he he pulled out. Like defenders have adapted. And part of the reason they've adapted is because they're like, okay, Rashford, like you go to the byline. What are you going to do there? So they're kind of like, we'll let you get there. It, and in fact, he did that in the first half and they set up a goal. But Anthony runs the defenders in the box all the time, but they don't lunge in. They either go, look, if you want to go left, we got two guys here to help me. You're going to run into traffic. If you want to go right, that's fine. I'll let you get to the byline. And then what you're going to do, you're going to use your right foot to for a cross. He set up Bruno in this one. Bruno had a nice flick that just went wide, but most of the time, nothing comes of it. So like defenders aren't lunging in anymore. United are running at defenders less, and the defenders have adapted. They're lunge, they're not lunging in as much. You're getting less penalties. Like it's it's pretty clear as day. And like we just don't see Rashford do what he did. That we haven't seen that that often in the last two years. He does it, and finally he does it. And like eventually, he, he takes advantage of. He got a half lunge, and he's so good that he's able to take advantage, make sure that there's contact, and and he wins the penalty for it. Like was it? Uh, look, it was, I think it was a hundred percent a penalty. Like in that you couldn't overturn it. I think whatever the the decision was, you weren't going to get it overturned. Uh, I think if the referee said no penalty, I don't think he overturns it and gives a penalty. And once he said penalty, it was like, yeah, no, you can't overturn that. There's clearly contact and he goes down. Can we talk about the penalty hit? Cause like. Matt Turner was still standing when that thing hit the net. Yeah, he blasted it. Like that shit was cool. <laughs> and and Matt Turner, who is actually known as a pretty good penalty saver, and just got rooted to the ground. Matt Turner, former Richmond kicker, he was also pretty bad in this game. There yeah. were a couple balls that he like spilled right in front where he was lucky that there was nobody there. And yeah. the first goal, the first goal was like Bruno shot from like 40, not 40. He shot from like 25 yards out and he like put the rebound right in Martial's path. And if Anthony Martial is beating everybody to a rebound, it's got to be because it was right to him. And Martial kept it alive and brought it outside, gave it to Rashford, who then set up Christian Eriksen. Like that should have been like brushed aside for like a corner. Yeah. Honestly, I was thinking when Eriksen put the ball in, like, Martial should be making that run back in after he gives the ball to Rashford. Like he should be resetting himself. Uh, there's a lot of runs that Martial should be making that he just doesn't like. Yeah. Uh, look, I have Anthony Martial stock. It's not worth anything anymore. Uh, I accept that. <laughs> I'm I'm not trying to sell it to you. I'm just holding on to it. I'm ex- accepting the loss. 
She's just hey, not Marcy the same player that like, used to uh, be. Marcial is a lot like the beanie baby that I have sitting on my bookshelf. It's still a sentimental view. <laughs> <laughs> a sentimental backup striker. He's I, doing I remember yeah. all the times we had. <laughs> I mean, that's what I mean for any MLS viewers. That's what the Seattle Sounders have now in Freddie Montero. Uh, the first season he came back, he was a legit like backup striker option, and now he's just, uh, you know. You, guy who wait, are you are you a Durs fan? Yeah, up the Durs. Yeah, up the Durs. You're from Ohio in Mississippi. How did you end up on the Durs? Uh, Mark Kastner and Colton Kaiser. Shout yeah, out. Yeah, Colin Dam said, "Send the crew to Austin." I don't care. <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, you know, I, I I think it's a good thing that uh, the Cleveland Browns have an owner now who's. Uh, all about preventing teams from leaving the state of Ohio. Good old Jimmy Haslam. Noted yeah. good person. Well, I won't go that far. <laughs> 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 Defer to the, to uh, some of the things we said on the podcast last week, if uh, you want to know more about Jimmy Haslam. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I guess we should talk a little bit about Arsenal. Um, I am trying to get an opposition view episode uh, with either Aaron or someone else from the short views uh, later this Do week. We have to. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> Nathan won't be on it. <laughs> the famous Twitter beef between the short views and the Busby Babe boils over in a, stu- a stunning podcast pay per view yeah, let, episode. Let us um, get one one bad call that goes our way. I'm going to be <laughs> relentless. Yeah, they're we, gonna be so mad. We need a stoppage Putting, time penalty on somebody who had their arm down and it hits. <laughs> Arsenal, Arsenal away is just such a great way to ensure that like the vibes are just hell for the international break. I like, mean, here, here's ten days to overreact and stew on things. Do we do we try to play like this against Arsenal? We're we're going to. Eric Tenon has been very clear. Like when we're away from home, this is what I do, and it doesn't work, and I'm not changing it. We are going to be the greatest transition team in the world. Okay. I I I sat back and I had a perfect game plan against Manchester City, and we won. And then we went to Arsenal, and all we had to do was the same thing. And I just went, no, 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 go run, press them high. Let's see them pick us, pick through us. Even though we don't have Casemiro, and now we have Casemiro, but it feels like we don't have Casemiro. <laughs> right. We don't have that Casemiro. Um, Casamadich. We don't have Mason Mount, who would be very useful in this game. Eric Tanak said something about when asked about the space, you know, left for teams to walk through the midfield at times, and he said basically, when he said it was only the, it was, it's, it's, the it's not the, the midfield, the it's, it's the front and it's the back. <laughs> And it's like, well, yeah, your back drops deep, your front pushes all the way forward and leaves this huge, like, you're not compact. Uh, do we think that maybe his patience is running thin with Varane a little bit? Because I know he was subbed off at halftime because of an injury, but I mean, it's not the only time he's had things to say about the defense. Yeah, I mean, I think it was always obvious when this team took the next step forward that Varane was going to be the guy he was his patience with. Uh, he's very reactionary, and I think that's part of why he's in the team because this team is built on we got to have guys. That, you know, there's two. Th- there's sort of like, I think people forget that like a job of a defense isn't necessarily to win the ball back. The job is to prevent you from scoring, and if you 
you know, if you don't give up good shots, it's, you'll find you'll find the ball back. And Ten Hag kind of manages like the job of the defense is to win the ball back. Go make defensive plays. Don't don't just make them not do what they want to do and let your teammates get back into position. So therefore, you'll win the ball back. It's like, oh, we pressed them so that we could try to win the ball back, and that didn't happen. Okay, Casemiro is in the midfield, so. Instead of stopping the counterattack by like delaying them and letting everybody get back into position, it's no, we'll stop the counterattack by winning the ball back. And when that doesn't work, it's like my central defenders are going to block your shot or make a tackle and win the ball back. And if you want to play like that, Rafael Veron's your guy. But yeah, like he also drops deep a lot. And when you have your forwards pushed high, that creates big gap between defense and forward for midfield to cover. It's not great. The question is, like, what are you going to do about it? Because, like, Victor Lindelof is exactly what he's always been. He's he's not any better these days. He's just, he, he's better because he's not Harry Maguire. So he's better in people's eyes. But he's always just been this solid defender with some strengths and some glaring weaknesses. He's got tattoos. So he looks They cool. all have tattoos, Colin. But maybe you want a footballer who doesn't have tattoos and doesn't get haircuts. Hmm. Some people want want players like that. Some people. Yeah. So uh, are are we all thinking this is an L this weekend? I'll let Nathan answer first. If we I all are, then try our best. Yeah. If we all if we all think that, then I'm then we'll probably get pleasantly surprised. I'm not. I'm not going to count on a pleasantly surprise. Um, if you expect the worst, then you won't be disappointed. <laughs> I I expect that I will come down from this match by playing Starfield. That is a guarantee. Um, oh yeah. I need to. I need to make sure that my pre order has the early access. Yeah, you do. Make that happen. Um, I, you know, Arsenal's kind of having a weird start to their season too, or at least they had the stumble this this past game. Um. They also gifted Fulham a goal. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those... Andreas like, Pereira, nonetheless. Without, without sounding like I'm a Contessa on Love Island, like it's early days. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, this is the opportunity where if United actually want to play uh, the synonym of counterattacking football, like... Try it out. See how it goes. Arsenal have got weaknesses. They're good defensively, but they've got weaknesses. But they did just drop points last week, so now they're they're back to like, oh, we got to get our our ass right. Versus United, who think that they did well this week, think that we had another great performance. You know, talk to some people. We've had three three games, three amazing performances so far that bode very well for the future, and. If, I, I don't if you want to think that that's fine. I don't agree. Um and we need, we need if start. you become overconfident, it could bite you in the ass. We we hard. need to get we need to get back to vibes football. We need to start grading this team on watchability because I think I think it's Polly that always says like the worst thing that you can be the only the only thing you can't be good, be bad. fun. And and yeah, the, the only, only thing, thing worse than being, being bad is being boring. boring. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, man, I'm not enjoying the first three games of the season so far. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Grace like, Robertson it's just bad tweeted Grace for Robertson a long time, and then they create one great chance. Yeah. Yeah. 
Grace Robertson tweeted again, Eric Tanag, manager for the first half, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, manager for the second half. That's my favorite tweet that I've yeah. seen in a while. It's uh yeah, we got we, it's it's a movement. We got a I don't know. I don't think you know, obviously that Vi- Vice, but uh Vice we we need uh we need a second half team that um wants to batter the other team. I I, I want I more games. I think they want to. I think they want to. Look at look at this. Look at stop it. I'm not they so were still sure running counterattacks. They were still it, running it, counterattacks. It's just a matter of like they're too tired to do it. It, it is interesting how it, it it's definitely over the last two three years there's been a degradation where I think like especially COVID football we were really high I think on our on our forward line and you know like we had issues elsewhere and now uh, like we haven't seen the market improvement that we'd like either because of injury or maybe a poor purchase or two or just some stagnation um, it's you know again this just goes back to my I'm I am nervous that we are we are setting up Hoyland for a difficult start to his United career when he's finally able to take the pitch. I hope he just comes out and smokes it, but I, you know, I think there's a learning curve and well, it'll be uh, a lot of people are going to expect him to just start scoring when he comes in. And I hope we have the service to set him up for that. Yeah. I don't think you can smoke inside old Trafford anymore either. So that's probably Dude, that threw me off when I was at the the Olympia Stadion for the uh, for Hertha Berlin Cologne game. This dude just lit up a dart right next to me. And oh, I was in like, Portugal, it's the same way. And I was like, "Whoa!" I, I was like, "I was like, we can do that." I can get used to this. <laughs> Hold on, I'm sitting all the way up here uh, up top, and I can just rip a dart right here in the stadium. Like, let's go. Um, a Galawa for all for all of our French listeners. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it for us because uh, we're talking about cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if we're really going to get into smoking. Uh, you know, I'd love to go to an IX game. We're not. We're going to yeah. sign off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to sign off. We're going to go scout Eric Tenhog's next player. Yeah, well. That's what he meant. If he's played for IX. Um, yeah, so that does it for us. Uh like I said, we might get an opposition view episode this week uh, or next week, maybe recapping the game, uh, depending on how the game goes. I may want to do it next week or I may not, but uh, we will be back next Monday. Uh, I think this is our usual days. As long as uh, I can get home from work in time. Um, Yeah. Thanks for listening. Pre-order Starfield.